0: This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. Hello. Oh, hello. Um, Sorry, I forgot to oh, say hello.
1: Rubbish. Worst podcaster ever. Okay. Well, hi. And hi. Hello. Uh, welcome. this episode of Property Jam, the podcast where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And this week, we're going to be talking about stress, but not stress as in human stress, which to be fair, I think all of us could talk about, but... We're going to be talking about stress testing so if you remember in the last episode we covered interest rates and the fact that the whole world seems to have gone mad and interest rates have gone up and what that means for us as property investors and it was a really interesting discussion but what we actually didn't cover was well, what are we doing practically to kind of manage that now that interest rates are so high how are we stress testing our deals if at all um, are we doing deals are we not doing deals and if we are how are we running the numbers so yeah it's weird isn't it I mean I'll I'll start us off I mean we've kind of the way we were trained and the way that we've always approached it certainly from just you know what I would call your vanilla investing is with in the back of your head around five percent right on a bricks and mortar you know stress testing basis
2: anything less than that was um you know a bonus was
1: yeah yeah. So anything under that, you know, you, the yeah. Yeah. You kind of knew that if it worked at 5%, then generally speaking, it works, right? And like 5% was always your worst case scenario. Now,
2: <laughs> because well, base changed a hasn't it?
1: Yeah. It's shifted somewhat. So now that base rates are, are higher, obviously, interest on our finance products and our mortgages have gone up to reflect that, you know? And certainly, I mean, even on like the just on the buy-to-let investment side, it's gone up. We're looking at rates of anywhere between, you know, five and six at the moment. Um, on the commercial side, even higher. So what are we doing? How are we managing that? Um, so for me, at the moment, I'm stress testing most of my deals at 7%. And that's what I've been teaching as well. Because the process is the same. It's just that the figure's higher. What about you, boys? What are you thinking? What are you doing? Very
0: similar. Very similar um so when we're because it doesn't really affect us at the purchase stage because we're buying on bridging and most of the time anyway um or or using investor cash so and that side of the market really hasn't been that badly impacted by all of the interest rates going crazy going up down and sideways yeah um but it's when we refinance at the end um after the refurbishment's all done, that's when you could get hit with the interest rate hikes. So yes, same as what you've been doing, just telling people it's no different to any other day. It's no different to any other project or deal that you're appraising. You just increase the interest rate slightly. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. And it's only short term.
2: I think it's about the criteria that you use as well. So, and what people are looking for, because um, what we've also seen is that there's a lot of deals <clears throat> done well, a lot of deals but the deals that some of the deals we've seen where you can get a great capital uplift whereby you might have had a really healthy cash flow off the back of that but as the mortgage increases if you've got a you know a mortgage at five six hundred thousand pounds and the interest rate doubles from four percent to eight percent or seven percent uh that has a massive impact on your in cash terms so even though we're assessing it and we're looking at how it might work in the future. We're trying to make sure we've got that buffer. Um, then people got well, to well, the conversation we've been having, especially on HMOs, is why bother to do all of that work to get something which is really nice, really cool. It's worth a lot of money, but at the end of the day, I'm only now getting six or seven hundred pounds a month in cash flow. So that has been that's been something which is a dilemma for getting good capital uplift and buy something at one to two to three hundred thousand, get it valued up at six, seven hundred thousand, which is very possible. And we see it a lot. Um, and that historically would have been a lot of cash flow. Now it's not.
1: Yeah. But the thing is, so this is where I think you can kind of be a little bit savvy. Um mm. and this is the conversations that I've I've had with not just my brokers recently, but like other investors who are raising the same concerns. It's like you've got to boil it down to what will allow you to tread water strategically right now. So it might be, okay, so let's just say you get huge capital uplift, and that's great, um, and you go to exit out, And of course, your cash flow is so skinny because you've gone for like your typical loan to value, like 75, up to 85%. Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, your monthly bottom line is now crap because interest rates are so high. So the argument is or the alternative is you go for lower loan to value. You bring your loan to value down. And so you increase your cash flow just to see yourself through from a liquidity perspective But then you've got you're going to have to manage those discussions with investors in the background who are probably going to have to retain their investment in the in the deals for longer and a more significant amount because you haven't been able to recover most of it. But instead of locking in for, you know, on a five year product, which you probably would have done, you know, now that you're exiting out on a two. So what you're doing is you're kind of coming up with a two year contingency plan. And you're sort of saying, you know, we're extending this. You know, you're, you're going to be living in your money for longer. Um, of course, you're going to have to service that from the cash flow. But if it's higher because you've got lower loans of value, everybody's winning in that situation. So I, I feel like that's something that would allow people to just navigate these stormier waters, but at the same time, still retain safety through liquidity. Um, it's an option.
2: Yeah. Yeah interesting thought about is um which is the higher interest rate your investor or the bank
1: and again it's always that game isn't it of swings and roundabouts when you kind of weigh it up um but if it's a long-term investment i mean i don't know like you know when the property's you, kind of at its higher risk stage at the point of acquisition through to refinance but yeah. you haven't got your end vow then i always feel like it warrants the higher interest rate right but then mm. if it's kind of just sat there and it's now armchair investor stuff, you've got your end value. you know, that's only going to probably get better as time goes on, you can afford to reduce that. Mm. Um, so I, I just feel like that's a bit of a juggling act, right? Um, and, also, and
0: also, if it's cash positive, yes, it may not be as good as you may have gotten it six, seven months ago or a year ago, and yeah. it's a positive return on your cash investment, then where else are you going to get a deal like that? I, are you better leaving your money sat in the bank, doing yeah. absolutely nothing, yeah. or buying this property that may not be as good as it was three weeks ago, but it's yeah. still bloody good?
1: Yeah.
2: yeah, and it's still potentially better than other things because if if, for example, HMOs are being affected by this, then buy-to-lets are being affected by this, and then you end up with uh, you know lower cash flow. I'd much prefer to have a larger buffer in something like an hmo yeah. where demand is still ridiculously high for the rental that's not that's not that's never a problem and the market could probably um cope with a bit of increase as well in, in rents to help to cover this um so that gives you a lot more headroom to yeah. um you know, to make these decisions and go okay well i might have got 1200 cash flow before now it's more like 800 pounds that is still positive still positive cash flow I've got the asset I've got the equity I've got the choice Mm -hmm.
1: and that's the thing I think that's the topic that we haven't even got into you know is the fact that you know rental incomes are going to help mitigate this a little bit on the cash flow side so you know that's that's it's always that swings and roundabouts things well you know it gets taken away from one side but then it gets given back on the other side and I think in my head I mean no one actually knows what's going to happen but I can't imagine I'm going to be stress testing properties at 7% on average for longer than a two year period. We might, but if I treat it like a two year sort of disaster recovery plan, you know, if I treat it like that with my investors, with my finance products, because for example, I'm refinancing at the moment on multiple properties and I was locking in on five year. And then of course we've had two interest rate hikes while all this has been going on. And I'm like, well, I've actually had to drop it down to two because of this situation why would you lock in on a stupidly high interest rate you know for five years knowing that that's going to ultimately bite you in the bump in the bum for your cash flow so therefore I've had to kind of just pivot a little bit and and reduce that time frame so I don't know about you but I'm kind of working on this two-year stabilization tready water principle Mm.
0: yeah I think I think that's logical and I think most the thing is and I think we've, we've said this before in the podcast there is always going to be a reason not to do it mm. and granted interest rates and the uh, the way the market is going right now is a little bit scary it's the first time we've been in this position where the interest have gone so high yes. uh, with the energy crisis and everything happening but people are still making it work yes so don't use it as an excuse not to do something yes Use it as take. a reason why to do something.
1: Absolutely.
2: Speaking of reasons why to do something, if the interest rates continue to be high for extended periods of time, you're going to end up with um, the distressed seller that you hear, uh, who are just, uh, I can't take this this high mortgage rate, I can't afford this, I don't want to afford this, so I'm going to maybe I'm going to downsize, or I'm going to sell up, take the, the capital profit that I've had for the last, you know, five years, 10 years, um, park it and rent for a period of time. Yes. And there will be, be people that decide to do that and then become a bit more distressed. So they um, yeah, they access the equity in their homes and then use that to to live on. So there might then become opportunities to buy. So property could get cheaper. And in fact, Niall and I were comparing our inboxes this morning because all of a sudden in the last 24 hours, I've had I had about I've had 30 notifications from Rightmove and Zoopla overnight
1: Oh. about properties are
2: coming to the market and being reduced
1: yeah yeah I, I, it's a common story i was teaching at the weekend and like yeah same thing the students were sort of showing me deals saying look this one's been reduced this one's been reduced this one's been reduced so we're starting to see that and also we're going to start seeing a load of landlords even the market because of all this stuff anyway this will cause panic across the amateur landlords landscape they're going to be freaking out selling up you know fearful of a <laughs> I was going to say, fearful of two things. On, on the cash side, they're fearful of the high interest rates. On the equity side, you know, there's all this chat about the property market crash impending and, and you know instability. So they've got the capital pressure as well. We're going to yeah. see heaps of deals coming into the market.
2: Yeah. Even the even the professional ones are selling up. The ones that are really highly leveraged. Um, I was chatting to come to a guy just yesterday, how he's selling up one of his um, really high leverage properties. Um, he said there's not much point because it's you know barely washing its face um and he just thought well i you know the, the small amount of equity that i've got in it i'm just going to take it i'm going to reinvest in something else where i know i can get you know a better return so it's selling something which used to work which isn't working right now and then yeah. buying something else because there are areas where the yield is so low it just doesn't justify you know, london brighton areas like that where it's like well why hold on to these assets for cash flow like when it's next to impossible for it to work with any kind of leverage
1: and again, these are decisions that you can make based on the circumstances you find yourself in. It's a very kind of reactive sort of analysis that you need to do, because some people will have enough cash flow from maybe other strategies that they're employing in, in other locations or what have you. That actually allows them to tie, you know, to, to, to see that through whilst on their other assets, they're not performing so great and some won't. So it's like, you know, it, it, it's a judgment call. It? It's an absolute personal judgment call, um, and I don't think there's any right or wrong, but I, I just feel like if, if panic stations, there's no place for it, but almost like a, yeah, this two-year treadwater disaster recovery mindset is a healthy one to have.
0: Yeah, I think with, with like you said, the property prices are coming down, um, so that helps a lot. Yeah, and you're, you're buying the asset for a hell of a lot less than you would have done before, but there'll be less competition in the market as well because there are there is so much fear out there yeah. that less people are buying. So you've got more deals to be had. So the, what you're saving on the acquisition of the property in the first place could well outweigh what you're actually overspending in interest rate.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think there is just general nervousness. of Everyone's just kind of in this weird sort of abeyance. Like, what's going to happen? How's it going to be? That you know, there's no confidence in the government at the moment.
0: And when yeah. you don't
1: have that sentiment, that confidence, you know, people just stop. They stop doing everything. They stop making decisions. You know, they just wait and they just sit there waiting. It's like, well, just,
0: yeah, just just wait. Yeah, yeah. I'll yeah, just wait.
1: wait. I'll just wait. I'm just like, and it's like, well there will be opportunities that can be seized whilst that kind of what I would call societal pause goes on um you know and there's also going to be hit like a whole bunch of knee-jerk reaction you know to to what people assume is going to happen like this this whole the property market's going to crash I mean could it well yeah if we go into real economic decline yeah but again shit if you've got a revaluation coming up and we you know things go crashing through the floor but then awesome in other ways you know because you can you can start you can hedge you can hedge and you you know no, you and can, then you can start shopping you know like um
2: hedge and go for cash flow so and the cash flow is king so if we can go and buy and um buy some cheaper properties that, that is the time you know a lot of people that are sitting on property wealth right now made it in 2008 to 2010 that's right so um i just don't see i just don't see it happening now no so there's something in me which which is saying very strongly that i don't i can't see the fundamental reasons for a property crash i i I, I will caveat that with uh, um, there are things outside our control like war in ukraine which is fueling inflation um so it, it's 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 possible to say, but um, you know, I think there's potentially a good three, four years away before any crash. I think because what's happening now will just compound, probably the the how how much of a crash we have. Yeah. But, um, just demand for properties is still quite high. Demand for rental properties. It's, a, it's an it's amazing time to be a landlord. It really That's,
1: is. Totally. I think. Why, why
2: wouldn't you want to be a? Why wouldn't you want to get into it? Yeah. Um, and there's never a bad time to buy. It's just making sure that you plan right you stress test correctly so that you know that you can take um you think and the interesting thing is is that even the banks the banks were asking us to stress test at 5.5 percent that's the bank of england recommendation at 125 percent you know rental coverage yeah so interest rates now you know at that seven and a half eight percent you know the banks haven't stress tested it to that that height, so there will be people that won't be able to afford the rent won't cover the mortgage. That yeah. will start to happen, so those properties will come on the market and will need to be sold, um, unless rent unless rent goes up dramatically. But again, how does someone get into that market mm. buying cash? I think I think one thing that we we've started talking about here is is actually building up our network of partners who've got cash and in a market like this that's when they really profit the ones that have got the capital so be the be the eyes and ears and the ones doing the work on
1: behalf of those that have got capital and then this is what i mean it's like go buy cash this is what i mean this is a cap this is a park your capital market because clearly the income is going to be shaky you know it's not game over but it it, it's going to be affected right so That's what I mean about, you know, either buying cash or lowering your loan to value if you are leveraged so that it literally becomes about maximizing the income as much as you possibly can by borrowing less. Um, But also, you know, giving people scope to part their money and still enjoy higher returns at the moment. I think it really is about that. Um and I, I think if you said to an investor who's got a couple of hundred grand, who, you know, has got absolutely nowhere to put it at the moment because everything just feels up in the air, give you a nice fixed return for two years whilst the madness continues and you just just breathe, breathe for yeah. two years, that'd be biting your hand off, you know.
0: percent And there are a lot of people out there with money sat doing nothing. So there are opportunities. Yeah. 100% and I 100%.
1: think it's that like if you're confident in that strategy. How could it not work? You know? Um
0: just go
2: go buy and, and and in a strategy like that, if you've got the capital behind you, then the success is in the volume. Mm. Not every deal needs to be amazing. No. You just need to buy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it just goes back to that part of your stress testing isn't just about how you're calculating your income. It's how you're calculating your whole portfolio. You're stress testing no. the whole thing. What can it what can it tolerate from both a you know, an income and a capital perspective, and I think there's this this scope. You know, it certainly made me think differently about what I've done. um
2: Well, I I, I remember questioning going onto five year fixes with some of the property the, the properties that we put on five year fixes in the last two years, and I'm
1: very grateful that we did. Yeah, I'll say. I mean, that's the thing. But at the time was a was a you know, umming and ahring, weighing it up, unsure where it's all going to go. Smart move, you know, right right decision. Um, so you, it's it's just i don't know i think it, it's just not panicking is it it's taking stock going right where are we at how long do i kind of behave this way for what could i redo um and then yeah just putting that contingency in place i don't think it's a reason to panic
0: well even you no know, and even for people that are panicking you know don't just sit there and make random decisions based on what you think is the right decision to do. Yeah, yeah. Speak, speak to people who know what they're talking about. Yeah. You know, speak to lenders and don't just speak to one. Speak to three or four different mortgage brokers, not mortgage advisors, mortgage brokers, people that are in the industry doing this day in and day out. See what they're saying. Speak to other landlords and investors that are refinancing and what they're saying. So just make an educated decision, not just a knee-jerk reaction
2: gather the evidence and then move forward with a level head
1: yeah exactly yeah because some of the options out there you might not have even considered you know like and then you sort of speak to someone else you might be in a similar situation to you and they're like well I'm doing this and you're like well actually does that work for me yeah it does yeah I'm going to do that <laughs> you know um so
0: who'd have, who'd have thought surrounding yourself with people who know what they're talking about was a good idea
1: <laughs> yeah but I the-
0: have just come up with a great thing guys <laughs> you're
1: a smart man you're a smart man but I think
0: first.
1: the problem is, I think what a lot of people will do is they go to that one person they've always gone to. And I think exactly what you said, you need a bit more of a 360 view when we're in a weird situation like this. It's like, because the risk with this is that you'll hear one person's perspective. If that person is naturally risk averse, like your accountant or like that one broker who's just like, you know, oh, I would do this. And it's like, well, actually, no, speak to three brokers, speak to a few accountants, speak to multiple investors doing different things. Yeah. And you just need that thread. In order mm-hmm. to get a common sense view based on your own stuff, otherwise, I think you'll just follow suit, and it's not necessarily the right move for you.
2: Yeah, get the consensus.
1: Consensus, good word. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really like the word consensus. It feels good to say consensus. Consensus. I think it
2: means Latin, or with.
1: Oh yeah, con c o n with with sense con,
2: with sense with sense. Ah. Consensus.
0: No. no, could that be right? Consensus.
1: We should rename Nile to consensus. So, Lord, so Lord, Lord Consensus. Circumstances. Oh,
0: I'll be. I'm. I'll be quite happy with Lord. Anything.
1: Lord. Okay. Lord, Lord Consensus. Lord Consensus. For you. Yeah. I'll or take that. Be, or it could be your drag name, Lady Consensus.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, it's 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 from the Latin um agreement. So, consensus means agreed. Consense, um I don't know anything beyond before that but um agreement feel together I don't know I say, with with sense let's go with that
1: with sense yeah the con bit I remember that yeah in Spanish with is con yeah mm. so, yeah, mm. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. you just had you had we had a little visitor from uh, uh <laughs> No, this is Hetty, Hetty, Hetty,
1: Hetty has joined us for the podcast. You just see
0: the, the little point of the ears came first and then slowly <laughs> the head just appeared and then went back again.
1: It's like you press record and she just knows, she just knows to be present. Now Now's she's the done. time. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to join yeah. in things now. I can actually see her. Yeah. So
2: what is, um, what is the consensus for stress testing? If we were to wrap up our topic for today?
1: Uh, weigh things up, uh, speak to as many people as you can, uh, make an informed decision. At the moment, this could easily be a very much a capital park market, which will allow you to have um, higher cash flow on the cash flow side, um, rents up, lower loan to values, lots of options, speak to your investors about parking money for a two year contingency disaster recovery plan kind of vibe
2: and also yeah. don't make you said knee-jerk reactions yeah. um, based on the news so wait and see what happened let the dust settle because yes. banks make banks make knee-jerk reactions mm. and then they come back to normality we saw we talked about interest rates last week It's what happened in the beginning of covid the knee-jerk reaction they pulled all the products we've seen them pull the products in the last month um, and then bring them back to the market and now we're seeing there's interest rates with really varying across the strategies across the um, uh, across strategies across um, banks so yeah no I I honestly think don't just sit and wait and constantly compare like compare every day so speak to the broker and say right I'm happy with this this is my plan a not plan a but this is something I will go for but I'm not going to push to go on that until we start to see what's go, what the movement. So is the market moving back down? Are we starting to see a settling of five-year fixes, which I think we started to see last week? So that's where I want to be. Um, and fixing for five years again might not necessarily be a bad thing if those rates come down and gives you some certainty. Because if you've got a certainty, then you can plan. Yeah.
1: Okay. So but
2: um, as you say, that two-year window of, of uh, two-year two stormy window is probably quite a um, a good thing. And then we're just going to have a, a general election, which probably might be a big bigger storm. But, I know.
1: Uh, it's just thing. It <laughs> like, and then it's like, oh, it's, if Labour comes in, oh, what does that look like? <laughs> what does That's that very that different mean?
2: story uh, altogether. Yeah. So, you yeah. like, well, if, uh, and again, being apolitical, potentially means getting out of the market, <laughs> just... We'll just stop for the time being. Yeah,
1: we'll just go have do, a rest. We'll, a we'll just down. go do
2: something else. Yeah, we'll just go have a lie else. down. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a lie down.
0: <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I, I could have quite a, uh, uh, can't speak. speak now. <laughs> I could quite happily have a little lie down.
1: You know. In fact, I, I
2: think I, I might time go, time. go have a little lie down now. I so let's, let's wrap you. it up. I had one. I had
1: one before. So I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm going out for mm. dinner now. Actually, with a with a fellow investor friend. Actually, this evening, so I can't wait.
2: Lovely. Well, enjoy yourself
1: thank you very much and you enjoy your rest i think you're entitled to it and now well you just do what you do you gorgeous man so yeah
2: well much. let's wrap it up there it's a goodbye from me
1: it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from
2: me come and jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more
0: on Facebook, search Property Jam Podcast.
1: Or you can follow us on Instagram at Property Jam Podcast.
0: Or you can email us at Podcast at outlook.com. See, See you on, on the next, next episode.
1: episode.